When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Everything about this moment in history seems uniquely designed to challenge our mental health. We are suffering, we need answers, and we need help. That's why I'm so thrilled to be partnering with Sound Mind Live and Consequence of Sound to host their new podcast series, Going There. I'm Dr. Mike Friedman, clinical psychologist and life coach. With Going There, I will talk with musicians who struggle with their mental health, just like us. After all, mental illness affects us all. And the same artists who have stepped up to share their wonderful work with us are now sharing the intimate details of their journey in living with mental illness. We are going to ask the tough questions, and we're going to have the difficult conversations, all so that we can learn from each other. But more importantly, to shine a light on the difficult topic of mental illness so that we can all come out of the darkness and get the care we need. So we hope you join us on this journey. Going there, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making your way here, checking out the series. Hopefully you like what you uh, hear enough to hit that subscribe button. Uh, we do a lot around here. We, we, 
We nerd out all the time talking to musicians. In fact, three interviews a week is what we release Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So if you want to keep up with all your favorite artists, if you want to discover new ones, if you just want to know what's happening in the music world, hit that subscribe button. Of course, you can find us at all the spots that you do that at uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast from. Uh, and, and I say usually uh, we, we do these three times a week. Just for this month, December of 2020, though, it's uh, every Wednesday we're doing a best of 2020. These are some of my favorite moments uh, in the interviews of 2020. These are some of the most popular interviews that we've done throughout the year. And the one thing they have in common is they're all with amazing artists. In fact, uh, week three is what we're on right now. And uh, today you get Laura Marling, Paul Weller, Julian Baker, Soundgarden, David Duchovny, and My Morning Jacket. I'm Kyle Meredith, and that's where we start right here, was when I caught up with my own uh, my old buddy Jim James, my old Louisville buddy Jim James. Uh, my Morning Jacket, they had been on a hiatus for a few years, and there had been rumblings, a little bit of rumblings, that maybe that hiatus was coming to an end. And then suddenly... What we get was not exactly a new album, but a new-to-us record. If you remember, their last record was called The Waterfall. It came out some years ago, and at the time they were talking about a double album or a follow-up album, and then we never heard of it. Well, we got The Waterfall 2, and it ended up being one of the most critically acclaimed records of the year. It is one of their best records. Let's say top two, top three My Morning Jacket records right here. Uh, If you can't tell, I'm in love with it. So Jim and I got to talk all about the waterfall and what was on his mind at the time. Uh, again, he and I are, you know, based in Louisville. Um, this is the year of 2020. Obviously, the murder of Breonna Taylor had happened this year. George Floyd up in Minneapolis. And even though those are older songs that uh, Jacket had just released, uh, these things are reflective within them. So, uh, so that's where we'll start with this. Uh, Kyle Meredith with uh, Best of 2020 Part 3 and My Morning Jacket. When I decided to bring these songs back out it was during i'll call it phase one of the pandemic you know where we were all kind of tucked in our our pandemic isolated worlds trying to uh, figure out this new reality and stuff and i stumbled upon one of the songs spinning my wheels on shuffle it came up on my while i was taking a walk one day and i like listened to it and i listened to the rest of the waterfall too and i was like oh man this is like maybe this it's a good time to release this now because it, it feels kind of reflective to me and it feels kind of uh, something maybe people will enjoy sitting with and being reflective about their own lives. You know, and then, you know, we've kind of had this phase two of, of the pandemic with the, just the, the world is exploding and the uh, George Floyd protests that kind of started everything and the Breonna Taylor murder and, you know, all this stuff that's going on. So, so I hope, you know, I think every artist always hopes that their music lasts you know is is always relevant and and i hope i hope people you know as the world continues to change find some healing in in this music the anger in our world nobody's flowing anymore everybody's clashing you know and and i, and I think it's time for us all to wake up before it's too late and, and find ourselves somewhere in the flow in the middle because i really feel like like we talked about earlier if people can really look each other in the eye and turn off the news and turn off the media and turn off all of the BS and really meet each other in the center, we can find some common ground, you know, and, and then try to vote on that common ground instead of voting against our own self-interests, you know, instead of yelling at each other and fighting and clashing and blah, blah, blah. It's like just trying to find that place where we can all flow together, even even in the way, and I love talking about this because I think we need to talk about it more, 
finding a way we can flow together and agree to disagree about so many things because we're never going to agree about everything, but we've got to find a way to stop fighting. You know, and I really feel like the politicians have done such a good job of pitting us against each other, especially this current administration. Our current president is a master at divide and conquer. And, and that can't be understated, and people need to realize that we aren't each other's enemies. You know, they, we have been manipulated into this divide-and-conquer strategy that's working too well on us. And, and, and it's up to all of us to really wake up from that. Important and strong words from Jim James of My Morning Jacket. As we continue with uh, part three of the best of 2020, uh, one of the most recent interviews I did, one of the final interviews of the year, was with Julian Baker. Now, at this moment in time, she is uh, just gearing up to release her latest record, Little Oblivions, but had already given us a track called Faith Healer. And much like Jim James, a lot of the topics of 2020 is is sort of what presented themselves within this uh, within this new single, and and I think within the record as well. Especially when she talks about a snake oil salesman within the first single. Here's Julian Baker. There are so many levels to the I don't want to say like disillusionment, but to the uh, like illusions that we build for ourselves and con- or ourselves and continue to build because it makes us comfortable. Like I. You know, you're talking about the the line about snake oil dealer. I don't know. I when I was touring the last two records, I thought so much about like how to express and advocate for principles that I thought were like ultimate good. Like, all right, well, we have a crazy person who is president, but maybe if like there's some ideal that if if we just this, if I could just get people to read this article or this book or listen to this history podcast, or if I could just get people to see that this philosophy is freeing or idealistically good, then we could achieve some sort of healing. And that's not real. <laughs> like, and it hurts. It really hurts to, to realize that that is a disappearing horizon because then you're just left with doing the best you can amongst the wreckage that you see and and not having a realistic projection for a future where everything is deus ex machina wizard of oz like solved like and i thought i just kept thinking that for so long i was like okay well you know, even with like Christianity, I was like, okay, like there are people who I disagree with. Like I call myself a person of faith, but there are people who I disagree with in love (laughs) within the faith who believe things that are radically different from me and who seem to worship an entirely different ideal than I do. And realizing that there's not, like there's no thing we're going to achieve together (laughs) that's right, that everybody's like, that's what that's what we've been trying to figure out. We did it. We figured it out. Here's a perfect society. Here's the perfect way to treat your neighbor. Here's, uh, we finally figured out what God is. Like, it's just, that's not possible. But people who both, it's like this weird inverse dynamic where it's almost like the people selling you the answer, or not even selling, like, it doesn't always have to be like this weird exchange where some guy on an infomercial at 3 a.m. is trying to sell you holy water that'll fix your joints. But like, you know, when people are telling you like, I don't want to, okay, like yoga is great. But like, if you just do yoga, it'll, you know what I mean? Right, or, right, right, right. Just drink more water. And I'm like, bro, there's not, that doesn't exist. 
And yeah, I don't know. That's really painful to realize because those people want that to be true as well. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it just to deceive you out of spite. They're not, you know, it, if it's not for a financial gain, like the dude on the infomercial, it's just your friend telling you that being keto is going to heal you because um, they saw a documentary. Like they want that to be true too. They need that. They need something to be like the thing that helps. Yeah. Everybody needs the thing that gets them for the next day. And when you realize there's no single answer, it's like, the opposite of what you've been taught as a Western evangelical person. And it's kind of life altering. <laughs> um, yeah. There's no Douglas Adams answer to meaning of life. The, the 42 doesn't mean anything. 42, yeah. It doesn't mean anything I, at this point. I appreciate that scene so much <laughs> more now because it's like you got to the Supreme being and the Supreme being told you they don't have any idea. Right. I was like, that's so great. <laughs> that's so free. Julian Baker in both of that one and the uh, Jim James My Morning Jacket interview uh, are available in video version as well. Uh, just search Kyle Meredith with on YouTube. Now, one of my all-time favorite artists, uh, Paul Weller, he of the Jam, of the Style Council, came out with a new record called On Sunset, which caught him uh, in a reflective mood. Sort of a rare moment for Paul Weller. Uh, while the record, I should say, is still very forward-thinking, it was nice to see him looking back at the past but much like uh, Jim James and Julian Baker, with the present on his mind as well. Well, it's frustrating man, because you're saying the same things decade after decade, and that just means nothing really too much changes, you know. But then you'll see some other act of kindness in the world, or just around you, and then you think, ah, oh, actually, I do believe in I do believe in us, and we have got good in us, and including myself, you know, and everyone really. So you're yeah, you inevitably, if you, unless you change your views radically. But you inevitably sort of end up saying the same things because systems never change, do they? That's the thing. I think people sometimes move on and change, but the systems are sort of stay the same, don't they? Do you know what I mean? I don't know if it's in all the songs, but there's a few songs, obviously, like Old Father Time and On Sunset as well, which I wrote that probably about two years ago. And I went to visit my son, my oldest son, who lives in L.A., in Los Angeles. So I went to see him anyway. And I was staying really near the strip. And I was staying right near the whiskey on that on the corner there. And I was staying in a hotel very nearby anyway. And so I was just walking around that little neighborhood and then going down, I saw the Sunset Marquee as well, that hotel. And anyway, so a lot of little sort of landmarks, which I thought, oh, fuck, you know, I haven't been around here for ages, right? And these are the first places I ever saw when I was 19, first time I come to America, when we played the whiskey. <laughs> and I was trying to think, my God, yeah, that's like sort of, I don't know, 43 years ago or whatever it is, you know, a long time ago. And um, and not realising how much time had gone by, you know. And I was thinking, Jesus, trying to imagine myself as a young man of 19, being in Los Angeles then and uh, and then coming back as, a, as an old man, you know. Anyway, so it was kind of, a, it was really about that, you know, and quite reflective. Yeah, I imagine this, then I'd just take it further and I'd think, well, imagine this character who goes looking for like old friends or old lovers and everyone's gone or moved on or married or whatever. And uh, and without realising all this time's elapsed, you know, because you've been busy doing whatever else or living or whatever. So really, you know, like a little story like that, I suppose. I mean, I'm trying to avoid genres as best I can. I mean, because I think, to me, the older I get, right, and the more music I hear, it all just gets smushed up into one beautiful thing to me, really. So in one song, there's loads of so many different influences and... Uh, and obviously, yeah, yeah we made, the intention was to make something quite soulful sounding in our own way. But, the, but in one song, you know, there could be lots and lots of different little layers and different little um, different influences. So to me, it's all one, really. 
Paul Weller there talking about his new record on Sunset. And uh, it's one of the best moments of what I get to do with these interviews here is to hear how and why artists create the music that they create. Not, not just how it arrived to them, but why they made the choices they did that in turn eventually end up being the songs that we live our life by, the songs that inspire us to do whatever we're going to do in that day. That's certainly the conversation I had with Laura Marling. She had just surprised us with a new record called Songs for Our Daughter, and we got to catch up about her studying psychoanalysis and taking uh, fictional characters from uh, books and movies and furthering their story through her songs. For me, I think there was a certain emphasis put on the rhythm of lyrics for this album, which is this minor detail and not something that a listener should get caught up in, certainly. But I worked with a um, a very brilliant British director we have here called Robert Icke, who's a theatre director. And watching him pull together plays and rewrite scripts was really fascinating. The, the pace and the rhythm of language that I hadn't really understood before. I mean, that's very Shakespearean, obviously. So I was considering that a bit more and how that can suck a punch you I'd suck a punch it can it can it can get you in a way that um if you if you structure them perfectly the words can get you right where they need to yeah well I think actually if if psychoanalysis does come into any useful descriptor for why it's important to, to distinguish the um the author from the from the product I guess is that it's an amalgamation of all experiences and all unacknowledged experiences which is the most interesting thing about art or creativity is what what the listener or the viewer recognises in it is something uncanny, you know, something that they recognise but they feel is their own experience but they couldn't put it in that exact frame. And to to, to really explicitly explain the story behind the song to people would, would forbid them that experience and I think that's a shame. I'm always underlining things in books, like lots of people, and taking certain f- sort of phrases or sentiments from them but I think particularly with the end of the affair what I was interested in and there's another song on the record called Alexandra which is sort of a response to Alexandra leaving the Leonard Cohen song is um all of these and slightly it sort of appears in Vertigo the Alfred Hitchcock film it's all of these women who have facades that, that they're facades of women that are that are projected uh very passionately upon by the male leads and what it would be like for those women underneath the facade to survive those passions. What would that What would that feel like? And I think that's quite a common experience, uh, something that a lot of uh, women have experienced, surviving the passion of being projected on. So that is, that's a particular interest of mine, a little subgenre. Now, if you missed uh, part one or two of The Best of 2020, that's out there as well. In fact, uh, head over there, part one, Stephen Malcolmus, uh, Ed O'Brien from Radiohead, uh, Interpol's Paul Banks, King Cruel, Sparks, Buzz Osborne. And then last week, we had Evanescence, Jaden, Avril Lavigne, Kiss, LP, and Hollywood Dead. Uh, again, all available wherever you get your podcasts from. Now, speaking of, of Kiss, they actually come up in this interview I had with Kim Thiel of Soundgarden. Now, I, I've told this story on this series uh, before, but Soundgarden was my breakthrough band uh, way back in, uh, well, Super Unknown had just come out, so I think we're looking right around that 93-94 era. And uh, as a child in the country of Kentucky, alternative rock was not readily available. Even though MTV was around, it's just not what was in my face until one of my friends, her name was Kim, presented me with some headphones without warning, and what I heard was Spoonman, and my life changed. I'm doing this right now because of Soundgarden. I say all of this once again 
just to reiterate how big of a moment it was for me to talk with Kim Thiel right here. Especially, you know, I talked with Chris Cornell a couple times in the past, was so fortunate. But to dig in with the guy who created some of the most monster riffs of all time... Uh, that, that was a big honor, a big moment, and that's what we got to talk about, was back when Soundgarden started, how they were putting all of these different influences together for something new, something new that we had not heard yet in rock and roll. We were aware that we were kind of quirky post-punk, and then we started incorporating these more psychedelic elements, and the psychedelic elements, even the way we presented them, was heavier. So we realized that we somehow, through a, through a side door, had kind of redefined elements of, I guess at the time we might have thought, gee, we're grabbing some heavy metal elements, maybe classic rock elements, which was what the journalists would eventually throw in these classic rock references. And we thought, well, Black Flag had done this, the Melvins, uh, St. Vitus. There, there, there was a thing going on with people our age who were kind of into punk rock, but kind of reaching back a little bit further to some of the guilty pleasures that might have informed them as kids or teenagers, you know, things like Sabbath or Zeppelin or, you know, God, <laughs> you know, for me, I was, I was listening to that stuff when I was, you know, junior high or high school, that by the time I'm 16 or 17, out come the Sex Pistols and Ramones, that happened to be the time that I kept learning to play guitar, it was just, the timing was ridiculous, coinciding with my age, with the pop culture age, you know, uh, of both rock and roll and of the baby boomer uh, Generation X demographic. It all just kind of fits like, wow, you know. And then in the, in the mid-80s, we kind of were doing what we, Soundgarden was doing what we did. And I think the other bands, Green River, Melbourne, Malfunction, they're all to some degree informed in their early years by classic rock and then kind of came into being musicians as kind of you know, punk rock guys or post-punk rock guys and kind of started dipping back into the things you'd shed as kids with with Zeppelin and Sabbath and stuff like that. And Kiss. There was a there was a Kiss thing going around here too. I remember that. I think we knew it sounded different, mostly because people would point that out. But I think to us it was very natural. It's kind of what we listened to in a weird amalgam, you know, it's just <laughs> right. you're playing Bauhaus and playing, you know, Black Flag and playing the Meat Puppets and then playing Sabbath. It just was part of, you know, who we all were, or, or certainly part of what Chris and Hero and I was. Because so much of Soundgarden sound is born of my aesthetic, that anything I had done, because it's, we're a guitar band, I'm the guitarist. I wrote all the original, all the guitar parts and all the, all the riffs in the original incarnations of the band. Almost all the music was written by me from 84 you know, on until Hero wrote a lot too, but then Chris started writing more as he got more comfortable with playing guitar. And Matt came in, and Matt, same thing. He was learning guitar and writing songs, introducing stuff, and bringing their drummer sensibility to things. But anything I would have done would have sounded like Soundgarden without the greatest singer in the world and the greatest drummer in the world. So that was a little bit discouraging, too. It's like, why would I want to do a B-grade Soundgarden? You know? <laughs> And we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up with uh, actor David Duchovny, actor, novelist, musician David Duchovny. He's uh, currently finishing his third album due out in 2021 called Gesture Land. Released a, a track, uh, you know, leading up to the election called Laying on the Tracks. 
And of course, that again was on his mind. So here we are as uh, we do the final interview of part three here, sort of making a full circle with the conversation that we started right back at the beginning. Uh, here is David Duchovny. I, I do feel like um, if you can speak universally enough or poetically enough, then your work has a chance to, to wait for its moment. Because, you know, ultimately, I don't think the moments that we have as humans are all that different from epic to epic, right? They're, they're going to, you know, it's different dress. It's different time. We, we might look a little different, but, you know, love, hate, anger, revenge. I mean, it's all, it, it's not a huge smorgasbord of, of, of shit that we go through as humans, which I think is wonderful. And, they're, and, and the artists are the ones that try to interpret that. So as you said, um, or as we were talking earlier, if, if, if you can kind of rise above the specifics of it and somehow encode the feeling in there, then all of a sudden it becomes appropriate in many different epics. You know, I read like so many people, I read Sapiens like five or six years ago, which is like a history of, of Homo sapiens, of our, of, of people on this planet. And it's a devastating kind of an account of, of our nature, you know, and, and the destruction and the violence that we brought throughout the throughout time. And I was kind of thinking about us as as a species more than even us as Americans. So that just tells you the process of my songwriting is really, I'm sure I was thinking about America too, but like I know in my mind that book so profoundly affected me in terms of our behavior uh, as, as a species um, throughout all of human history. So uh, that part of us has always been, you know, from the time we splintered off from, from some of the other primate DNAs, you know. I did not grow up in a political household. My mother was a school teacher and wasn't political. My father, uh, my father was political, but not, how do I explain it? I guess he's a liberal Democrat. You know, he, he was interested in less in, in the workings of politics and more in like social, social thought, I guess, cultural thought. So in that sense, I guess I grew up aware of great movements that might be happening in the country, but not in terms of like grassroots stuff or even, you know, my father had a real healthy hatred for Nixon. I remember that, but he wasn't he wasn't like a, enamored of the Kennedys either, you know, so it, he wasn't like a, a reflexive kind of a political follower. So uh, the, the kind of all consuming attention on, on politics is very new to me. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I can't say that I like it, but, you know, it's part of my life now that I, I wake up. I wake up every morning and I, I look and see what the fuck happened yesterday, which is crazy because life used to not be a day by day proposition like that. Right. It was four years by four years or a month by month or a year by year, but it was certainly now it's hourly. It's hourly. And I, that's a, it's not just all on Trump's doorstep. It has to do with the fact that we have this technology too to be able to check in, but it's tough to, to have your own mind. David Coveney there. And again, watch out for his, uh, his new album, Gestureland. 
uh, reportedly due in early 2021. And my thanks to David Duchovny, to Kim Thiel of Soundgarden, Laura Marling, Paul Weller, Julian Baker, and Jim James of My Morning Jacket. Again, parts uh, two and one, parts one and two, are also both available. Steve Amalcomus, Ed O'Brien, uh, Paul Banks, King Cruel, Sparks, Buzz Osborne, Evan Essence, Jaden, Avril Lavigne, Kiss, LP and the Hollywood Dead in those episodes. You can find any of these wherever you get your podcasts from. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Acast. Again, wherever you like to get your podcasts, just type in Kyle Meredith with. We'll bring you three new interviews every single week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Then after all of that, please, please, please do head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, it's an hour full of song premieres and uh, bonus interviews, music news, and anniversary spins. Again, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. Consequence of Sound, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Please do like and follow along there as well. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.